Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. For additional resources, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. We're in John chapter 11 today. We're so glad you're here online or uh, in person. And if you are online, we, we hope that you'll come join us in person uh, sometime soon. You know, the, the world has witnessed a number of comebacks in about every arena of life. I suppose one of the greatest sports comebacks is when uh, Tom Brady led the Patriots to the Super Bowl win after a 28-3 deficit, and they won in overtime over the Falcons, 34-28. to That was quite a game. Um, in the field of business, Steve Jobs, as founder of Apple, lost his position as founder in 1985. Apple was doing so poorly. And then you remember he got hold of the reins and he made some brilliant moves that led Apple to what it is today, a $2 trillion company. In the area of music, uh, Elvis was a loser in the 60s. His, his career took an, an eight-year slump downward, no hit songs, no live performances, uh, bad movies. Until 1968 on NBC, he had a performance. He, he, uh, he uh, sang Suspicious Minds that went to the top, and his career was back. You know, there, there are all kinds of setbacks in life, including in the arena of faith. There are times in life where we get shaken. The ground beneath us starts to tremble a little bit because things just don't make sense. It can happen vocationally. It happens relationally. It happens spiritually for sure. Like the two sisters that we meet in our text today, dear friends of Jesus, they love Jesus, but he didn't, he didn't play himself out in their lives in the way that they expected But here's the good news, that Christ can turn your setbacks into comebacks. John 11, verse 1 begins, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 3, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 11, He went on to tell his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. Verse 17 says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again, Martha answered. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And I want you to notice how how this brief conversation, which may not have been so brief. Maybe we just have a summary of a longer conversation. I'm not sure. But but it's so important for us because even sitting in, in a church service today, you can be experiencing at the same time a setback, a crisis of faith. You're here, but you, you don't know exactly what God is up to. You can't sense his presence. You don't know exactly if he knows where you are. 
Well, well, you're a lot like Mary and Martha. But, but, but the pattern is here for us, what we do. First of all, admit your desperation. Sometimes when we experience a disappointment, we want to hide out and just be alone. The worst thing we can do, it was Jewish practice that they would do experience shiva. That word represents a seven-day mourning period after a death when, when a Jewish person was, came to the home and they were surrounded uh, where friends came to the home where the death happened, and, and just to be with the person that's suffering in this mourning period. The Bible says that when, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. She left Shiva. She left that place, certainly a model for us as well, because we're tempted in the times of a faith crisis to run to the places that are not going to be helpful to us. Or the people that aren't going to say the things that we need to hear. Or we simply busy our lives so much to kind of numb the pain or the uncertainty or the, the struggles we're having. We can make poor choices. We can numb the pain by somehow, sometimes just doing something that just takes us away rather than running to Jesus. Is anyone here experiencing a setback today, a crisis in faith as someone you loved died? Or left you? Are you struggling with a sin or struggling in an addiction that you can't seem to shake after praying and praying and praying? Are you physically overwhelmed by somebody you're trying to care for well or a group of people you're caring for well? You may be struggling with discouragement or depression or just a, a sense of being lost. You can be a, a faith person and have a time of where you're just kind of lost in direction right now. Uh, the, the temptation is to withdraw from community, to be alone, you know, to, to somehow, um, I, because we don't feel like being in the assembly, don't come to worship service, you don't feel like praying. And so we, we follow our own devices and fleshliness rather than do what we should do, and that is just run to Jesus at our point of desperation. Second, express your disappointment. Admit it and then express it. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, have you been here? My brother wouldn't have died. Her grief was mixed with this frustration, not understanding why Jesus didn't show up. Lord, where were you? Have you ever cried at that out to God? God, when I was being abused as a child, where were you? But people ask me that. When I was a little boy and my dad died, dropped dead, and I was 10 years old, where were you? You know, where were you when I lost my job, when I filed for bankruptcy? Where were you Thursday night, 11 o'clock, when, when eight innocent people were shot dead? Where were you when the Twin Towers went down? Where are you in the world where all this starvation is happening? Where, 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 where are you? It's real, isn't it? And I so value the Scripture. It's one thing it tells me the Scripture is so real because it speaks what we often feel about things in life. It doesn't soft-step things, but it, it, it meets us where we are. And, I, and God is so gracious in allowing us to express our confusion, and our disappointments. Martha is so transparent before Jesus. And you know, we can do that. We can do it respectfully. I think we should do it respectfully. But, but, but she's, she's being very real in her faith and her struggle here that we need to be. Life is filled with situations that just don't make sense. 
Why doesn't God intervene in places? I wish I had answers for that. I don't know. I know the theological answer. But I know the intimate personal answers that people have. But it shows that our tendency so often is to, is to, um, is to follow our own feelings rather than run to the one who can counsel and love us and uphold us. But there are those times even when our if only God, turn, our, our if onlys turn into selfies. And we can look in the mirror and even blame ourselves. If you had just believed enough, if you have read the Bible more, if you've gone to church more often, more regularly, if you had, had given more money, if you, had, if you had just prayed more fervently or read the Bible more, whatever, if I had done more, which brings us back to this doing kind of faith, that somehow if I do more, God will love me more. We fall prey to that. But God has shown us over and over again, his grace is sufficient for us. He says through the centuries, those great words he spoke, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. That's his promise. Whatever the source of your setback, you can be, always be honest with God. You can always state what you're feeling, what you're experiencing so again, any setbacks today? Sometimes those setbacks come in moments. Sometimes they are hours. Sometimes they're days, months. Sometimes they can be seasons of life. We've met people like that who in their adulthood still blame God after decades for what happened to them as a child. Is your setback about money or health or marriage or your future? If you're, whatever it is, tell it to Jesus. And then third, confess Jesus' identity. This is the turning point where Jesus begins then turning her setback into a comeback. At this point, Martha considered Jesus a miracle worker and a gifted teacher and a dear friend, but she hadn't really come to grips with the absolute uh, fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, which all the disciples struggled with. They struggled with that whole thing right up until the cross. It wasn't until three days later when he rose from the dead that all the pieces came together and they recognized his brilliance and his glory and exactly who he is. And so we have to do the same thing. We have to, we have to come back to the fact, who is Jesus? And if he is who he says he is, then that's enough to go on. And that's one of the reasons we keep coming together. We keep coming back together to be reminded all the time of who he is, what our faith is about, who the object of our faith is. Now, Martha says here, you know, you know my, my brother's dead, but I know whatever you ask of God, he'll do it. Jesus says, your, your brother will rise again. She says, yeah, I know he's going to rise again at the last day. The Jews believed in a final resurrection. But it's as if she's saying, yeah, I believe that, Jesus, but I need it today. And sometimes we're like that as well. We know ultimately who wins. We know Christ is coming back. We anticipate that. But Jesus, where are you right now in my crisis? Where are you today when I need you the most? And that's a problem with a lot of us. We can know the church answer, but not know intimately the one. And then Jesus drops the bomb. He, he's going to move her from a place to abstract belief to something, something real in the present. He says, I am 
the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus doesn't say, I will be resurrected or I'm going to show you how to be resurrected. I'm going to show you how to live so you certainly will be resurrected. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The essence of Christianity is in the personal pronouns. That Jesus didn't just die for the world. Do you know he died for you? For me? For my failures, my inadequacies, my sin, my shame. And he died for yours as well. That, that, it, it's, a, it's, it's an intimate thing to come to that realization of how personal all this is. He's, he's paid for us. He says, I'm the life as well. Death casts a shadow on us. It's a monstrosity. It's the elephant that is always in the room. And nobody can live a day hardly without some kind of strategy for dealing with the reality of death. Now, the world does a couple of things. The world denies death. They just don't talk about it. Let's, because it's obscene. It's a subject never really to be dealt with. Uh, years ago, did you watch the Oscar-winning film, Life is Beautiful? It was, a, it was a foreign film winner, you know, and it's about a dad uh, who, along with his little boy, are in a, a Nazi concentration camp. And he, he, this father, in love, is trying to protect his son from the reality of this realm of death they're living in. And so he pretends that this is just a game they're playing to soften it. That works well in a movie. It doesn't play well in life. And yet there are many people who live it that way. Comedians joke about it. We tell jokes about it to somehow deny its reality. Sometimes I've been at the hospital and somebody found out as a minister and there have somebody dying and said, would you come die? Would you come pray with my dad or somebody? But, 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 but we'd rather you not talk about death. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I hope you have a good day. You know, we'll pray. Yeah. What's that, you know? There are also many who sentimentalize death. Who, who somehow, you know, psychologists tell us that there's something we fear and we bury it. What happens to us is we're actually controlled by it. And that makes sense. So then people say, well, let's not be afraid of death then. Let's just accept it. It's a normal part of life. And, the, you know, that's, it's kind of the Lion King philosophy, you know. It just happens. It's a circle of life. It's all okay. Time of peace and happiness and quietness. Really? That's not my experience. Is it yours? It's, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Or more appropriately, on a skeleton, right? Yeah. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that death is the last enemy. And even though we're in faith, we live in faith and by faith, we shed a lot of tears and we experience death when we lose someone in death, don't we? Because it still stings. It still hurts. It, it, there's pain to death and separation. But a day is coming, Paul says, when Christ comes back, we'll say, oh, we'll taunt death. All right, death. Now where's your sting? Now, grave, where's your victory? It will be gone. The Bible is so realistic about death as our last enemy. Do you deny death? Do you sentimentalize it? Do you repress it? Uh, does it paralyze you? Now, if it causes a kind of paralysis, then perhaps 
Jesus is your moral example and he's your model, but he's not your resurrection and your life. The second part of this statement, he says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He's saying there's a spiritual resurrection that happens now. There's a new life that, that, that my spirit can breathe into you that is unlike anything else. When the spirit of God comes and, and he, really, he changes you and gives you new breath and new life, there's nothing like it. He's talking about the life that starts now. That's Jesus' whole point. When he, said, when he says, Martha, Martha, Martha says, yeah, I know my brother is going to be resurrected sometime. And he, he says, wherever I am, there's life. And so when Jesus is present in us, we live life. We are not dominated by death. What is happening in your life right now that can only be explained as resurrection? Where there was once this angry heart, now that you're free from that anger. And the only explanation you have, Jesus has changed my heart. Or where you have a, a, a grumbling spirit or a negative spirit, you always you were raised in a negative critical family, and you just don't live that way. You used to not anymore. It can only be explained by the presence of Jesus in my life. I used to see everything as the, half, the glass half empty, and now I see it half full. He's changed how I see life. It can only be explained by resurrection. It used to be chaos in your life, and now there's peace. Wherever Jesus is, there is resurrection. Now, there's a tricky subtlety here, you know, because you can really mistaken resurrected life with a morally reformed life. Now, morally reformed, can, can people make themselves better without Jesus? Well, of course, people do it all the time. That's not a resurrected life because that's a change in behavior and a change in life pattern. When Jesus comes in, he takes a dead heart and he transforms it into a living heart, a feeling heart, an empathetic heart, a reaching heart, a heart that, 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 that sees people as people of worth and value and must do something to speak into their lives about the beauty and the glory of Jesus. You know, I, I can be so gluttonous, and, and, and I was on vacation a couple weeks ago. We had been out to this great restaurant in Destin, and uh, I was so full. I had shrimp and grits. It was so good. I had dessert, bread pudding with chocolate sauce. I was sick. We got back to the condo. I opened the fridge. We were going to empty the fridge and ready to drive back. There was a half of a key lime pie. I lifted it out of the plate and stuffed my mouth with it. I, 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 it was gross. It really was. I was sickening to look at. Later I thought, why am I not more like that when it comes to the bread of life? Jesus, the source of life, where I can't get enough. I can't get enough of worship. I can't get enough of being in prayer with him and praising him. I can't, I can't, I just want more. And that's something intriguing about walking with Jesus. The more we walk him, the more, I mean, we're so satisfied, yet we want more all the time. Oh, for a church here that would be gluttonous for more of God and more of his presence, more of his life, more of his resurrection power in us. So let's get back where we were. You know, admit your desperation. 
express your disappointment. Confess Jesus' identity. Martha, at the end of this conversation, says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And then fourth, expect his blessing. Expect his blessing. Now, Martha's sister Mary now comes on the scene. She says the same thing. Uh, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Obviously, she and Martha have been comparing loats. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Why? He knew what he was about to do, what joy was going to come to this family. Why did he weep? Because it wasn't Lazarus he was seeing only. He was seeing what had happened to the world. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth, it was a place, this earth at one time, was fit for the presence of God. Everything was integrated perfectly. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day, the Bible says. There was no brokenness in their relationship. But as soon as Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, suddenly disintegration began. An unraveling of this world began to happen. Everything, everything fell apart at the seams. But God, in his mercy and grace, wasn't done with us. What, what, what did he do? In time, he called a people for his own possession, the Jewish people, just out of his grace and mercy. And then what did he do? He so wanted to be with people, he gave them instructions on how to put together a place called the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Two chapters are given to the creation of the world. Some 50 chapters are given to the tabernacle, how it's constructed, the details of making it, and all the activities in the tabernacle. What was the purpose of the tabernacle? To show how much God wanted to be present with his people. And then Solomon was so desirous of building a permanent facility, so the temple was built. And finally in time, God so much to be with us. He sent Jesus to be with us. Emmanuel, walking with us and knowing our lives and understanding us so that we would never be critical of God that he doesn't understand all the, all the, all the problems in this world. And then what does he do? He puts us together as his church in which his Holy Spirit dwells. Why? Because he wants to be with us. He wants to be present. Even when we want to cry out to him, God, where were you? He was right there all the time. Grieving and weeping that this world isn't. But a day is coming, you know. A day is coming. And he gives this marvelous preview of that day. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Someone well said he had to say the name Lazarus, otherwise all the corpses would have come out. <laughs> the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, cloth around his face. 
Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is not only an account of a setback and of a stalled faith or frustration. It's your account. It's my account. It's the day we finally heard the voice of Jesus. And somebody loved us. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody modeled for us. Somebody cared enough to make sure we got a chance to know Jesus. And God calls us to do the same, church, to do whatever we can to help people meet Jesus. It doesn't come by just being moral people. It's not going to happen by being nicer people than anybody. There are plenty of people nicer than me. It comes from resurrected people who are transformed by the presence of Jesus. You know, I, uh, I was in a store one day, and I had to buy this T-shirt. I haven't worn it yet. It's brand new. It just says, the world is watching. And you know, they are watching. They want it. Are, are, are you any different? Are you different by what you put on social media? You need different by how you treat disappointments in life, or you need different... You know, by just the, the, the way you perceive life, the way you walk in life. You see, somehow we have to get this. We get to the point we not only believe Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life. We have to be living. He is my resurrection. He is my life. Now, as I close in prayer, I want to lift our brother Luke up. He's going to be leading the service for, Mac, for Matt Alexander later in the week. The world's going to be watching. I don't know to what degree. My guess is some reporters will report, perhaps. And this is his text this week. He's chosen it already. I am the resurrection and the life. And on that day before Lazarus' tomb, Jesus prayed, Father, this is for you. I want these people to know who you are. And I want them to believe that you sent me. Will you make that the prayer every day this week? That with any unbelievers that will be there, faced with the reality of death and the horrendous thing that took place, God will use this for his glory and to draw people to himself. Let's pray. Oh God, we've all been there at different times when we have we have said, where were you, God? Forgive us if that has sounded faithless, if that has sounded untrusting. It's more out of confusion, Father, than disbelief, I think. But I pray, Father, that we will know that whatever tragedy happens, whatever loss happens, whatever angst we go through, you are there grieving with us, with a community, with a family, with a nation, with a world. We don't have the solutions for this life, Father. It's a painful world. But I so thank you that you reign supremely and you are the hope of the world I lift up Luke to you this week Father I pray that your spirit will be mightily at work in him you have blessed him with skilled speech and understanding of your word 
and a great gift of, of relating the word to life. And I pray that what you guide him into writing will be exactly the right thing to encourage Brad and Debbie and Michelle and the rest of the members of the family and that will speak to the heart of every person in attendance. I pray, Father, for anybody in this gathering right now, Father, who is wounded by life, who perhaps are experiencing a setback even today, those watching from a distance, whoever it may be, Father, I pray for your mercy, your grace, your empowerment on their lives. Father, we need you. That's why these emblems are so precious to us because they represent to what degree you have already loved us and you will not withhold any good thing from us. So we trust you for that. And with this little bit of juice in bread, we are drawn to the cross of Jesus. And we say thank you. Our hope is in you. And we trust you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.